This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you, as the parent, can follow their ride on a live tracking map. Yeah, when your teen requests a trip, they're matched with highly rated, experienced drivers and you receive real-time notifications. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today, they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. It makes them feel safe, and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. And today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Shout out to our super producer, Casey Pegram. Shout out to our guest producers, Max William, Andrew Howard. Let's welcome them all with an inaugural pie in the face. That's how we haze people here on Ridiculous History. Uh, Uh, (laughs) I'm Ben. I have been in a pie fight. Have you? No. I have not been, but this news of this inaugural hazing situation is news to me. I, I've never have you ever gotten a pie in the face, Ben? I, it sounds really unpleasant and messy and sticky. It's it's fun. I've I've done it mainly under the auspices of sketch comedy. So I knew the pie was coming, and I think that's a key factor in how one receives a pie to the face. It definitely is. But, uh, you know, my first exposure to pies in the face was probably on Nickelodeon shows like Double Dare. And you can't do that on television and stuff. And obviously, by that point, it's such a cliche, amazingly, for for the right reasons, cliche thing in comedy. And to see them kind of like revive it, you know, for a younger audience is uh, it's it's inspiring. Ben, after doing the research for this episode. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those legendary physical comedy or slapstick tropes up there with slipping on a banana peel, which is much more difficult than it looks. I don't want to go into the nuts and bolts of why I tried to figure that out. But 
even if you are one of those rare people who says, I don't really like comedy, you're doubtless- Who says that? <laughs> I don't know, someone, some imaginary person who is just all set to have a, a really wholesome change of heart, hopefully, maybe in this episode. Uh, this is the thing. Pie throwing is going to be familiar with anybody, even if you don't consider yourself a fan of comedy or slapstick comedy specifically. And when you look into it, like we did, along with Gabe, our research associate, what you'll find is that it has a very, very surprisingly long history, so much so that our history of the pie in the face gag is going to be a two-parter. We couldn't fit all of it in one episode, could we, Noel? We couldn't. And this is the uh, the rare, but increasingly less rare, proactive two-parter. So here we are. So here we are. Here we are. It's funny. If you think about why Slapstick had such a day in the sun for so long, what you'll learn is that it made sense to use Slapstick comedy during the era of silent film, silent moving pictures, because, you know, it was way easier to show a joke to the audience than tell them about it. And, you know, that's still sort of like an important ethos in filmmaking. They always say, show, don't tell. That's why, like, voiceover narration is considered kind of a hackneyed and cliche technique. I'm looking at you, Ridley Scott, with Blade Runner. That original cut, but then he, I think he made up for it in the director's cut. But it's true, and and it's not only because of the show don't tell idea, uh, because there literally was no sound with which to tell. The contrast and the way you know early film and early comedy was uh, was shot was such that a pie had a perfect level of color to make it pop in the frame. Yeah, that's a good point there, and it's also true that this phenomenon does not originate. With silent film, it goes back to the days of the vaudeville circuit. That's where we first see documented, purposeful cases of tossing a pie at someone's face for a laugh. And it was always extra funny to the vaudeville audience if the victim was real posh and real fancy. Seeing someone dressed as a hobo get hit with a pie is not as subversive as seeing, you know, someone dressed as the Duke of... Um, Earl on water butt getting oh, hit with a butt. <laughs> totally. It's because it inherently, you know, kind of lowers your guard or cuts you down to size. You know, if you're some kind of highfalutin swell and then like the humble tramp hits you in the face with a pie, it's a way of kind of like normalizing everyone and like, like allowing you to kind of laugh at yourself or be really grumpy and, you know, stamp away in a huff. Yeah, yeah. And there's also, there's some good comedic theory that goes into this as well. It's part of a larger structure, you could say, of the ideas of good narrative storytelling, which is there must be a status switch. It's interesting for the audience if someone of low status, you know, goes from pauper to prince, if someone of high status goes in the opposite direction. And a pie fight is a very quick way to do that. It's also a beautiful way to end a story that doesn't really have an ending. Right. <laughs> a lot of silent films or vaudeville bits are just kind of, here is a, an anthology of things that we think are funny. How do we end it? That's right. And in the earliest days of it, back in the pre-film days, it was definitely used as a device to like break up a sketch or, you know, kind of change gears, right? Because it's sort of like, is this event that then everyone has to remark upon? And then it gives you almost this like, like a sleight of hand ability to kind of change course and then have people like focus on one thing. And then now they're looking at the new scene that's kind of formed around it. Yeah, it's got some of the similar vibes to the famous Benny Hill chase montages. They're like, let's just make it, as Steve Massa described, 
absurd, anarchic, and funny. That's him speaking about the cream pie fight as a visual non sequitur in an excellent New York Times article called Comedy Sweet Weapon, The Cream Pie. But Noel, when we are looking at the history of the pie fight or the pie in the face, uh, if we are looking to the world of film, it seems like opinions differ on which silent film had the, quote, first pie fight. We've got like three different opinions here. I know it's borderline controversial, Ben. Do you think it's okay for us to wade into these waters? I think, you know what? I think we can throw a pie or two of conversation here and maybe we can talk, maybe after we go through the first three, we can figure out which one we think is more likely. What do you say? I am completely with you. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car's called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your team enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber Teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Sometimes to get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. We're nothing if not trailblazers here at Ridiculous History. And you know also is a huge uh, iconoclastic challenger of the status quo, Ben? Who is that, Noel? I think you know. It's hmm. Harry's. Yes, it's Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by all kinds of like slipshod, questionable products in the shaving industry. And they said, hey, you got to be the change. I was excited to try out the Winston set. It's an all-in-one package. You get some shaving cream. You get that great razor we're talking about. They also have deodorant. Yeah, I was about to say. Very helpful. I do really enjoy uh, their line of self-care products. Um, richly lathering, skin-softening body washes and scents like redwood, wild lens, and stone. You want to know what a stone smells like? I've often wondered. Well, you know, you can. <laughs> so don't settle for the status quo, folks. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash history. Once again, that's harrys.com slash history for a $3 trial set. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's this. There's always a catch. So when we heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are just $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, what's the catch? So we dug in, and after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't a catch. 
Can you believe that? Mint Mobile's got a secret sauce, babies, and it is that they sell wireless service online and by doing so, cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet, sweet, delicious savings directly onto you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So one of the first examples comes from Gilbert M. Bronco Billy Anderson's film, Mr. Flip, which came out in 1909. I'm not going to lie. I had to go off mic for a second and be like, was there really, there was film in 1909? (laughs) I feel like I'm obviously not a Hollywood historian, but this stuff absolutely fascinates me. And it follows, it's sort of like, you know, I mean, it's, this guy's kind of a heel. He's this abusive store manager, like of a general store in a town played by Ben Turpin. And that's Mr. Flip. And he gets a pie to the face. This is not funny. I don't know why I'm laughing. After sexually harassing every single woman that he encounters. That's sort of his thing. That's he, He's a heel. But again, that device, that cream pie, allows some sort of like visual representation of him being cut down to size and uh, kind of getting his retribution for all of that, you know, awful heelish behavior. Yes. Also, 1909. That's the year that newspaper reporting of the Jersey Devil, the cryptid, exploded. That has nothing to do with today's episode. I'm just kind of on an info dump, getting rid of all these things I learned for Friday. (laughs) Full disclosure, exactly. It has something to do with uh, what we talked about earlier today. It all kind of bleeds together. What are we talking about? History or cryptids? It's it's all kind of, you know, two sides Mm -hmm. of the same coin. Here's something I also didn't know. Mabel Normand, who is one of the great woman comedians of all time, comedians, and I always like to say that, but who knows if that's even appropriate. She was called uh, often by uh, the press the female chaplain, which seems dismissive, but, you know, it was the it was the 1910s. Mm-hmm. And she in a 1913 comedy called A Noise from the Deep, directed by Max Sennett, uh, she throws a pie on film at Fatty Arbuckle. Max Sennett, the director, also known as the, quote, father of slapstick comedy. So those are two of our big contenders for first pie thrown. But unfortunately, you can't see a copy of A Noise from the Deep today. No prints of the film are known to exist. And so the pie in question has become a little bit of a uh, passion project for right. intrepid entertainment historians. And a the lot white of them, whale. Right, right. And a lot of them rely on help from early descriptions of the scene at the time by people who were able to watch the film, including the author Andy Edmonds. That's right. Andy Edmonds wrote a book on Fatty Arbuckle called Frame Up, and she recounts kind of in the oral tradition this event that may or may not have happened exactly like that. And I love everything about this. So apparently the crew of the shoot were looking for some way, like we said, to break up a comedy sequence. And there was some, you know, I have craft services. I guess there was a a pile of pastries on a nearby craft services tray or table. And Fatty, uh, or Roscoe, as his mother uh, called him, um, saw an opportunity here for comedy gold. And he grabbed one of these pies and he called Mabel over and handed it to her and instructed her to throw the pie in his face. Yeah, and... Senate, the director, 
couldn't hear what they were saying. And Arbuckle wouldn't tell him. He was probably like, I don't want to lose the magic. Just right. trust me, bro. Just roll the cameras. So he said, okay, I trust you. He let the cameras roll and he used a wide angle. And then at some point in the scene, Mabel took a pie, reared back, and then floom, popped it into Arbuckle's face. Everybody cracked up while filming it, which is a good sign. Audiences felt the same way. And this became part of the primary foundation of film slapstick. And then from there, you would see a pie-throwing scene in all sorts of comedies, both by Senate, because he was not above using the same gag multiple times, and by uh, his competitors and his rivals. But there's a third film that enters the chat here, also directed by Senate. That's right. Senate directed another short called The Ragtime Band. And it's a little hazy here, but it seems like he got the idea to have characters throw baked goods at each other from the story of the shoot that we don't have a uh, print of anymore from A Noise from the Deep, where Mabel Norman, you know, threw that pie at Fatty Arbuckle. So it's just like kind of like this weird, you know, echo chamber of Hollywood lore. But it seems like that's it may have also been just another story of that happening in real life, that she was, like, irritated at Ben Turpin, the actor who played Mr. Flip himself. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, it's it's interesting. But regardless of which of those three narratives is accurate, we know that pie throwing blew up in a big way around that time, somewhere between 1909 and 1913. And after that, it was everywhere. Charlie Chaplin threw pies in 1916's Behind the Screen. This became a comedy trope, the epitome of a comedy trope. And shout out to our friend Rowan, uh, who made some appearances on our earlier series, Idiomatic for the People. Uh, when he came up with a phrase I just love, he said, support the tropes. Support uh, the tropes, indeed. <laughs> so Thank you for your service. Yes. You've, you've, done us, and, uh, uh, you've done us proud. Yes, and so... After this, for over a century, this was a common occurrence in slapstick comedies, and this is thanks in part to Max Sennett and Keystone Studios. Keystone Studios was started by Sennett back in 1912, and the studio was often called a comedy pioneer, and they had a huge hand in making pie-throwing ubiquitous. They did. And Ben, do you remember that one time when you and me and uh, our buddy Alex Williams, who composed our theme, were in Los Angeles and we were walking down, we had gone to like an awards thing and we were all kind of suited up a little bit and we were walking down Hollywood Boulevard, like more in the Los Feliz uh, portion, and somebody yelled Keystone Cops at us? Yes, I was accused of being a cop no less than three times that night. Which was funny because by the end of that night, I was in my cups and would not have been a good representation <laughs> of law enforcement. And candidly, it's, none of us would have been a good representation. Oh, no question about it. But I did not. That is such an L.A. thing to yell because the Keystone Cops were a famous kind of comedy bit, I guess, that Keystone Studios put out so much that that kind of became. It almost seems to me, I haven't seen this bit, but it sounds to me like a little bit of a proto the Benny Hill thing where it's like, you know, sped up kind of cops chasing around people and like falling down and looking like idiots. Is that about yeah. right? Yeah, that's why I was mentioning the Benny Hill montage. It, it works in a couple different ways here because it, it depicts chaos, right? You want comedic scenes to escalate their stakes and become chaotic, find the comedy in the chaos or unexpected connections, but then also from a very uh, structural standpoint, it's a great way to wrap stuff up. The studio itself used this bit so often that they became publicly known for pie tossing 
And <laughs> the studio eventually, they this is how often they use this idea of food fights, of throwing pies especially. Eventually, Keystone Studios needed its own bakery just to make prop baked goods. And they were trying to figure out how they could get a good pie connect. They found the answer literally across the street from the studio. There was a business owner named Sarah Brenner. She owned a variety store. Uh, at this location, but she also was the pie person. She was the pie plug for the studio. Yeah. And, and uh, it's funny because sometimes when there were pies that were made to be eaten, they were actually pretty good. Uh, Charlie Chaplin called them the best pies in town. But the thing is, if you know anything about food as it's depicted on film, even in the modern day, a lot of the stuff that looks delicious on screen is not stuff you would want to eat. In fact, no. a lot of times it's not even food. It's not even edible or it has like, you know, like I know that uh, I've, I've been friends with a few people who are food photographers and they put like clear nail polish on things sometimes to make it like shine. Like, for example, a pie even probably could be or like a burger bun, you know, like in a McDonald's ad where it just looks so shiny and perfect. So the light hits it and it kind of glints. That's because there's some sort of like noxious, you know, solvent of some kind painted onto the outside of it. But this was true for prop pies as well, because you needed, you know, not just any pie would do. It needed to be weighted in a certain way. It needed to pop for the color, for the black and white like we were talking about. And it also needed to explode like a blood squib, you know, when it hit its target. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car's called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your team enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber Teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from the Bobby Bone Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. 
Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. The ones that Keystone ended up using pretty often were specially made to be more ballistic, heavy-duty pastry. In Oxford Companion to Food by Alan Davidson, the author describes them as using a, quote, especially slurpy custard, which sounds gross, but it's show business, right? And there's a reason custard pies were used so much more often. They're super messy, and most importantly, they don't have a topped crust, meaning that you'll get more of a splat factor. Mm -hmm. And it'll be less potentially dangerous for your actors. Right. Think about like if you had like a true lattice worked like cherry pie or something like that, you know, it would hit you in the face and the impact would be absorbed by that like lattice top crust rather than like maximum splattery impact. So this was very thoughtful. And Fatty Arbuckle and Buster Keaton, who was his protege, Definitely know him from physical comedy stuff. You know, the idea of like uh, that set piece barn door kind of falling down. He's, he lands right in the window, you know, very, very physical, dangerous at times comedy stunts that Buster Keaton would do. But he uh, learned everything he knew from Fatty Arbuckle. And between the two of them, they sort of furthered this formula for how to have the perfect pie impact for the camera and for maximum laughs. Yes. You could call it high impact. You could call it high pie impact. Just pie impact. Pin yeah. impact. I'm over. I'm overthinking this. I'm all the way there with you, Ben. And this was in 1917 where these dudes took pie throwing to the next level in a film called The Butcher Boy that was actually Keaton's first on-screen appearance. Yeah, you see the food uh, fighting roots here. Arbuckle didn't go with a pie for this one. He went with a bag of flour and he wanted to make sure that he caught Keaton absolutely by surprise. So he said, okay, don't look at this bag of flour coming. I don't want you to flinch. Just don't look and turn around when you hear me yell now. Keaton turned around, heard Arbuckle yell now, and turned around just in time to get knocked on the floor by this bag of flour. And so they probably rethought throwing just bags of flour at people and said, okay, maybe pies because you can still stand up. Yeah, and it's basically, you know, it's flour. This was a raw material experiment. And they realized, oh, maybe like the weight and heft of a giant bag of flour hitting somebody in the face is a little much. I'm sure it was hilarious. But Keaton said in his memoir that he absolutely got knocked on his uh, backside when he was hit by this thing. He said, he put my head where my feet were. Mm. That's what that means. Oh, I mean, he knocked him on his keister. Yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> so on, his, on his buster keister. And so they had also, over time, working with pies in this comedic way, they had become increasingly sophisticated in the construction of these stunt pies. What they, they, they even detail it. Author Marion Mead talks about this recipe that Keaton came up with. 
First, they cook two crusts, one inside the other, until they're quite brittle, uh, because a double crust will prevent crumbling when you're throwing the pie. And then secondly, you never use a tin plate that could cut somebody in the face Oof. or the eye, right? Yeah. And they said this happens because the once the plate hits, it slides sideways at the moment of impact. Which is part of the gag, right? I mean, you know, we'll get to it later, but like I always think of the Looney Tunes kind of completely exaggerated version of that where the pie hits and then it just slow-mo slides off, leaving all the goo behind. Right, exactly, exactly. And they had specific recipes, which I found pretty interesting. So after they've got this crust and they say no tin plates, they're going to fill it with an inch of flour and water paste that's very thick. And then the rest of the recipe varies on the person's appearance or yes, even their I hair love this. color. I love this so much. It gets so specific. They talk about if a uh, man in a suit, a light-colored suit, was to be the target, then they would add chocolate or strawberry uh, to add, you know, something that would completely wreck their clothes and make it really clear that they had been hit with something in that black and white. If a blonde was going to be hit, then custard would not be used. Instead, it was a mixture of blackberries, flour, and water topped with whipped cream, which is that classic, like, double dare. Those were just literally pie plates, you know, s s with whipped cream piled sure, on Sure, like them. in Revenge of the Nerds, where they're giving away pies that just have naked pictures on the bottom of the plate. Right. They're just whipped cream yeah. over the pictures. Yeah, that's, that's the most basic version of a thing that you maybe could call a pie. But this is so fascinating. Brunettes even had their own category of pie. I love the idea of ballistic pie. That would be a lemon meringue filling um, to contrast with their darker hair. And Keaton even had really specific recommendations on how to go about throwing it, like how to, you know, surprise your victim to get like the maximum, you know, genuine reaction. Uh, the he, shot putt. The shot put, that's right. He refers to several kind of techniques of throwing pies. And he says this in his memoir. This was the custard pie surprise I was about to heave at sweet-faced Alice Faye uh, in their film Hollywood Cavalcade, which came out in 1939. I worried about her flinching. Besides spoiling the shot, that would mean, and this I love because it's so perfectly functional, uh, this would mean hours of delay while Alice took a shower, got a whole new makeup job, a hairdo, and was fitted for a duplicate clothes outfit. That makes sense. That would have taken forever to reset that. It's like a very small scale version of like doing some sort of pyro event on a movie set where you like blow up a bank or something. And so we can already see that there's a lot of work going into the comedy pie business. But when we return for part two of our episode, we're going to see that this goes even further. It leads to something called the Battle of the century, which is the epic pie fight to end all pie fights. What are we talking about? You'll have to tune in for part two. And please, by the way, just to be safe, uh, we know we explained how to make various kinds of movie pies for throwing at people, but please don't take that as us saying you should throw a pie at an unwilling person. No, you have to have pie approval before. I mean, unless like you're working in comedy and it's understood that, you know, by entering into this, there is the potential that you might get hit with a pie or mm -hmm. a double dare situation. That's something that you kind of like sign up for when yeah. going onto that set. Yeah, consensual pie fights. Also, as we'll learn in part two, there's a little bit of what you might call pie throwing ethics. People like Buster Keaton thought that not everyone should get a pie thrown at them. We'll tell you more about this in the second part of our series on the history of pie throwing. In the meantime, you know, I've been dying to ask this whole episode, Noel. Fellow ridiculous historians, have you ever been in a pie fight? 
or a food fight? What happened? How'd it go down? Did you ever just, I feel like we have at least one person in the audience who just slammed a pie in their own face. That'd be fun. There is a game, like a kid's game that you can get that involves these like spring-loaded hands that like shoot pies in your face, but they really are just tiny little pie tins that I believe you have to supply your own whipped cream. It, it never seemed like a very good bargain to me as a game. Like think of all the, think of the whipped cream costs that would go into playing mm -hmm. this game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you've got to think of the ROI or ROPI, I mm -hmm. should say. <laughs> Max, uh, if you put a womp womp in there, I'm not going to be mad at you. Uh, thanks, as always, to our super producer, Casey Beckram, our producers, Andrew Howard and Max Williams. And uh, can't help but shout out the man himself. Alex Williams composed this slap and track, as we mentioned earlier. He did indeed. Uh, one of our Keystone Cop brethren. If you want to check us out on the internet, you can do so. Ridiculous History, we're pretty much all the places that would lead you to. You can also find Ben and I as individual human people. I am on Instagram at HowNowNoelBrown. You can also find me on Twitter at BenBolinHSW, uh, where you can get a sneak peek at some of the stuff I'm working on. Uh, you can also drop by Instagram, where I'm at BenBolin, B-O-W-L-I-N. Okay, we already thanked Alex Williams, who composed our theme twice even. Gosh, we're on a roll. Gabe Lussier, our research associate extraordinaire. Christopher Hasiotis here in spirit. Jonathan Strickland, the quister. May uh, ever, may he reign? If one man that I know deserves a pie in the face, it's Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. the quister. Jonathan, if you're listening, I want you to know that the future hurdles toward you. Unstoppable. Even now, there is a pie. For the pieces of a pie coming together aimed for your face. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by Discover. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com.